Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Hey, we've been on a bit of a series, a four-week series, and it's our Foundation, Family, Spirit, and Mission. Last week, Pastor Byron preached about foundation in the morning, and um, this week we're talking about family. And I've titled this message, Family of Faith. My kind of goal this morning is that I would unpack what it looks like for us to be a family. What would that look like if Highway Church was a family of faith? There's a few things that I think a family does. And the first thing to become part of a family of faith, the first thing they have to do is believe. Everyone say believe. This is a random club. This is a random family. It's like you're grafted into it by believing. We find this kind of idea, first of all, in Abram. Um, Abram, I'll read it, Genesis 15, verse 6. Abram believed the Lord, and he was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham, or Abram then, or we later call him Abraham, but he was, his righteousness was based on what he believed. I believe the first thing to be part of the family of God is that we believe. We're people of faith, are we? I hope so. Abram means exalted father. His name got changed to Abraham, which means father of multitude. If we know the story, we understand this journey. Sorry about that. This journey that God was taking Abram on. But first of all, what did Abraham believe? What was the first thing that he believed? He believed the reality of God. I hope we gather this morning because we believe in the reality of God. The second thing that Abram believed was that God was able to do what he promised. There was moments when he tried to make it happen in his own strength, like we all do too, but fundamentally he believed that God was able to do what he promised. This morning, if you're in the midst of that in-between, where it's like you believe that God is good, you believe in God, but you haven't seen the fulfillment for your promise, can I encourage you, don't give up. Don't try and manufacture a win in your own ability. But let's trust in the reality of God and that he is able to do what he promised. There's been multiple times where I've tried to make things happen. And you know what? Hasn't been as good. I've almost gotten further from where I wanted to end up. This faith journey is weird because it's like the thing that I can change is my inner self. My external circumstances... Unfortunately, sometimes they're out of my control. This is why I care about my lawn so much because it's the one thing in my life I can control. I have control issues. But I think we all do in some ways. You know, and it's like we're trying to control this and we're trying to manufacture this. We're a family of faith and the first thing that we do is we believe. There's general promises in the Bible, but there's specific promises. And I think sometimes in life I've been confused with these two. I've tried to take it in, in the past, I've tried to take a specific promise and apply it to myself today, yet not maybe knowing the context or what God was promising to a certain person in a certain season, in a certain place, and I've tried to apply that here, and then I've got disappointed that it didn't work. I think there's a difference between general promises and specific promises. Have you experienced that? You see, Abraham believed God and allowed his experience of God to change the theology or the picture that he held of God. I've experienced this in my own life. Have you? 
where it's like down the in our journey of faith, in it, we, we find that God does different things in different seasons and we see different aspects and different glimpses of what God's like so that we create a fuller picture of what God is like. Uh, there's been many times where I've had to reshape what I believed or what I've thought about specific things as I've seen new glimpses of God come through in different circumstances. We have the luxury of knowing more than Abraham did because we've got years and years of experience and testimony that we can look at, not just from, obviously, from the Bible, but also beyond that, we've got this corporate experience of God. So I believe that we can have a clearer picture of what God looks like now. Abraham hadn't heard the fulfillment of Jesus. He didn't have eyewitness accounts that he could read and look back on and, and see what Jesus' life was like, his death. So, so I guess what I'm trying to say is what do we believe? If we're a family of faith, the first identifier is that, is that we believe. What do we believe? What is the truth that we can stand on? I was sort of thinking about this. How do I articulate that? I joked with Dan, come to my office, let's write our own creed. It's like, because that only took generations, <laughs> Can we write one quickly now in five minutes? What's the basics that we believe? And Dan and I were joking about this, like as in five minutes, Dan Russell and myself are gonna come up with an all-encompassing statement of what we believe in an office up here. It's like, really? But can I read the Apostles' Creed for you this morning? I think there's this commonality in our faith that we can all agree on these main issues and this is where the power of family comes in. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. Catholic, what does Catholic mean? Universal. I believe in the church, the church, the universal church, God's expression on this earth. Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Can I get an amen? amen. This morning, you're part of this family of faith because we believe in God. We believe in His Son, Jesus, and we believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit through us today. There are some foundation stones to our faith and then there are some optional extras. Last week we were talking about foundation. And the thing I love about this idea of Christ being the cornerstone is that he is the foundation and he's a reference point to our life. So we can build on that, but the foundation remains the same. We have different experience of God because we go through different seasons and situations in our life. There's optional extras, but there's some foundation stones that I pray that we never change. Number two. If this is a family of faith, the first thing that we do is we believe, and when we believe, we belong. This morning, I'm here to tell you, you belong. You can belong here. Jesus likens believers to branches of the vine. Paul likens them to members of the body of Christ. There is something beautiful and unifying about our common faith. We find belonging with people of faith. The cool thing about when we believe first and then we belong is that 
Jesus' metaphor is this vine. I'm the vine, you are the branches. And it's like we're grafted onto this larger plant. I was talking to someone this week about plants, and they were telling me about their avocado tree that they just brought. And they brought an avocado plant that was grafted onto an older tree so that it could bear fruit earlier. Because avocado trees, I think, they, how long do they take, our horticulturalists? Seven years, is that what it is? Five or seven years or something to bear fruit on their own. But when you graft a stem of a new tree onto an older plant, they can bear fruit sooner. This is the picture of us, that when we believe in God and we belong, we're grafted into the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. All of a sudden, our lives have an opportunity to produce fruit sooner than we would in our own strength, trying to scrub our lives up together, trying to squeeze and try really hard to pop out an avocado. It's like, that's not how it works. A fruit is a natural extension of who we are because we're connected to Christ and it's His life that's flowing through us. There's something beautiful about our common faith. You see, common doesn't mean cheap. Sometimes we think common, oh, I'm a commoner. No, no, there's so much strength in a common faith that this iron sharpens iron of the church. I love that we can belong to Highway Church as an expression of a bigger church on this earth. We find belonging with people of faith. Psalms 68 verse 6 says, God sets the solitary in families. It doesn't matter what your physical family looks like. I believe that this is a house that you can belong to. I believe that this is a family that you can belong to. We belong because of whose we are, not because of what we've done, not because of our past. We belong because of what we believe. I believe that God slash Christianity is big enough to encompass many streams. I guess the picture that I'm trying to create is like, you know how sort of rain falls on the mountain? The teachers in the room are going to hate me now. My wife is included because they do this whole, what's that called? The water cycle or something? Is that what it's called? Precipitation? I don't know. But I see Christianity like those streams that are flowing down off the mountains into main multiple rivers, but they're all leading to the ocean. It's like we can have our different streams, we can have our different churches, we can have our different denominations, but the question isn't which one do you belong to and are you the enemy or not? No, 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 it's are we all heading to the ocean? Are we all heading in the same direction? Is it bringing us closer to God? And if it is, good, and I'm okay with that. Christianity is big enough to have many streams, many rivers, but let's all head to one ocean. There is room for difference of opinion. There's room for differences of interpretation. The question is, is our faith leading us closer to Christ? Are we more like Christ today than we were yesterday? Would Jesus do that? Is this giving life? The other thing I've learned about belonging to a family is that it's kind of pointless fighting with your family. Have you noticed? Because you're stuck with them. It's like awkward. Remember, Dad used to say this all the time to us boys and used to be fighting growing up. It's like, you've got a whole world out there to fight. What are you fighting each other for? Like, you're a team. We don't fight with our family. We can belong and be diverse. 
we can belong and have differences. Life almost forces this. You belong not because of your circumstances, not because of your past, but I believe you can belong here. And then our question is, as we mature as part of this family, do we create room for others to belong as well? Do we help graft other people into this family of faith? Because it's great that I belong, but when I belong and God does something on the inside of my life, I want this for others too. I want to create an atmosphere around my life that others can belong and come to know God like I do. Because if my life is better because of Christ, why would I not want others to experience the same? In Exodus 6, I'd like to read for you from verse 5. God's speaking here and he says, And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Verse 7. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. God is speaking to Moses here and is saying, hey, you will be my people, and I will be your God. We belong, and we are identified by our God. Can people tell what family you belong to? I'm not talking about physical attributes. I'm talking about our mannerisms, our speech, our actions, the way we conduct our lives. Can people tell what family we belong to? I had a mate who recently moved back from Texas. Not the one in Australia, the other one. The big one, where everything's bigger. And I met him down at our local shopping center here at Coomera, and it was, like now, it's mask-wearing time. And I'm like, mate, where's your mask? He's like, mask? I just moved from Texas. I don't wear a mask. He's like... Classic Americans. (laughs) Nobody can tell a Texan what to do. You see, you're identified by where you belong. What are our identifiers? If we belong, if we're part of this family of faith and we belong to God, can people tell? Can people see glimpses and and little mannerisms of God in our lives? Maybe our thought process, man, can they tell that we think differently? Can we tell that we speak differently? Maybe they could see our priorities have changed. We can change our wardrobe. I'm getting so many comments on this shirt this morning. It's like, is it just because I always wear black or what is it? I don't know. Maybe I just wear boring clothes. Everyone's like, wow, nice shirt, nice shirt. Well, should have worn this 27 years ago. (laughs) We can change our external appearance. That's fine. But it's a lot harder to change our internal person. God's not concerned about the exterior. He's concerned about you, the real you, that we hide from everyone else, but God sees straight through our facade. He sees through our pretenses. And you know what? It doesn't change how he feels about you. He's waiting for us, hey, son, daughter, He gets a kick out of seeing glimpses of himself at work in us. Just like we do with our kids. Like there's some things, I've talked about this before, the things that are like, I don't even know that I should be proud of, but I am because it just reminds me of myself and my kids. Can you name in? I just love it. I'm just so proud. I'm just like so, so proud that they would want to be like me even if they can't help it. (laughs) 
I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. I'm still trying to work that out. But man, I'm a proud dad. And I think our God is proud of each and every one of us in this place this morning, whether in the room or online, because he sees glimpses of himself in you. He's the creator. We're made in his image. And he looks at you and he goes, wow, that's my son. That's my daughter. There's part of me in you and I love it. He's so excited when we, our mannerisms are like his. He's so excited when we start to think like he does, when we get over our flesh and our own earthly desires and we start to live beyond that. He's so proud. Our role is to make our lives legible so that our world can know what family we belong to. Let's be witnesses of heaven meeting earth. The other thing I've noticed in family, though, is that this belonging comes with chores. It's not a popular message, is it? Seriously, all the parents are like, come on, preach it, Caleb. I've been trying my kids to do these chores for years. Like any family, there's responsibility. There's things that need to be done. And I'm thankful. At Highway, we have great teams. We have great volunteers. Man, you should see how early our musicians and our kitchen team and our serve team, they get here every week, midweek, all the time, so they can serve you, but also serve God. Part of a family comes with chores, unfortunately. But it's not a bad thing. Because I believe this is his. This is his church. It's Pastor Byron Ann's, yeah, sure. They have a stewardship responsibility over it. But this is God's house. We're God's people. There's things that we're called to do. Number three, our believing and our belonging must lead to us building. The third identifier of being part of a family of faith is that we build. We want to build. We want to be part of this family. I'd like to explain this in a different way. And um, I think it's important around this topic is to see how God reveals himself, like how do I articulate what God's like? How do I tell you what God's like? Well, a jump that we have or a head start that we have is we can see when we read our Bible how God identified himself, how God spoke about himself. So when God revealed himself to Moses, this is what he said, Exodus 3 verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. What is that? Dan's got an older brother, Jacob, and he doesn't like to be reminded of it, man, so. Nah, Jacob's a legend. Dan actually reminds me a lot of Jacob, would you agree? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon the God. What am I saying here? I'm saying that God revealed himself to Moses as this generational God, this God of Abraham, this God of Isaac, and this God of Jacob. Abraham, I've already mentioned this, tried to make the promise happen by himself. But you know what Abraham did, which was cool? A lot of us would know the story, but he feels in his mind that he has to sacrifice his son, which is a crazy thing to think. He thought that God asked him to kill his son as an act of, I guess, worship to him. You see, because Abraham was coming out of this pagan culture, 
where the other gods of the day, that's what they expected. It was a normal thing. And then, so Abraham tries to be faithful to what he feels in his heart that God had told him, and he takes his son up this mountain to kill him, which is a terrible picture. And God says, no, wait. I'm not like that. And, he, and there's this massive leap in our Bible when we see that God doesn't expect what the other pagan gods of the day did, that he's not into animal sacrifice. And it was like this world-changing moment for Abraham because he's like, wow, God, wow, that makes sense because you promised me something, I received it, and then I thought you wanted me to give it up again. But the cool thing is that Isaac got to experience this journey. He, Abraham created an opportunity for Isaac to experience God at work in their lives. Do we create experiences for our kids to experience God? It's funny that Isaac is in this lineage, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac wasn't the firstborn, Ishmael was, remember? Because Abraham tried to make it happen in his own strength, which was crazy because it's this God of grace at work in the Old Testament. Secondborns don't get in the lineage, firstborns do. Then Jacob, it's funny because he wasn't firstborn either. His name means deceiver or supplanter. And God changed his name to Israel, yet it wasn't Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. It was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God doesn't forget about you because you stuff up. He doesn't forget about you because of your past. But he includes you and we can be grafted into this family of faith even though before we're perfected. Israel means contented with God, wrestles with God, triumphant with God. But he was still recorded in the genealogy as Jacob. You see, there's a generational blessing when we realize that God can't bless who we're pretending to be. And it's like this moment, God, you, you know me. Why am I trying to cover this up? Why am I trying to pretend? Why am I trying to hide? You know all, you see all. I'm gonna stop running. And God, right now in this moment, and it's like in the, when we get to that place, perfection is not the requirement, but rather the building of our inner person. I'm part of a connect group at Highway here, and we have it fortnightly on Thursdays. And if you're not in a connect group, free shout out. I encourage you to be in one. But we're sort of just sitting around the back there in the circles. I joke, I call it, it's like an AA meeting. We sit around a circle. Hi, I'm Caleb, blah, blah, blah. And we just open it for discussion. And this week, Matthew Gow, I saw him here, somewhere here. Where are you, mate? Can't see you. Oh, over there, high five, Bluetooth. He just started asking this question about parenthood. And then this conversation just unfolded and we just couldn't stop it for like the next hour and a half, whatever it was. And it was just... It was such a cool picture because in what other forum, in what other place do men sit around and talk about their experiences of their dad, their challenges in parenthood and how they can do it better and, and someone's having good advice here and they're learning from each other and it was like, what a cool room to be in. But the cool thing I like about that is that we can be generationally better because we're building generationally. It's a generational build and we serve a generational God. Isaac could know more about God than Abraham did and Jacob could go more about God than Isaac did because it was this generational build. We can build generationally. 
The stories in my connect group were crazy of some of the men's experience that I, they had with their dad and they were, how they were trying to reconcile that for the generation and their kids that they have now and how they're trying to um, champion some things that their dad did well and try and reshape some things that their dad, maybe not their strength areas. This is what it's like in the church, that we have this generational faith. We're building generationally. Highway is a generational church. It's a family church with a missions heart. We need to fight complacency. Because otherwise, Abraham's descendants eventually ended in slavery. Exodus 6, 8. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give you an inheritance. I am the Lord. I just want to be really practical for the next three minutes I'm with you. Are you ready? There's three things I talked about this morning. If we're part of the family of faith, number one, we believe. Number two, we belong. And number three, I think we're called to build. Can I just talk about families for a moment really quick? Are you with me? I'm gonna bring forth two ideas for you. The first is this, family as team. The best picture I can have is what a flourishing, healthy family is, is a family, is a team. You see, teams know that a win for one is a win for all. I think we need to challenge our whole individualistic culture on family. I mean, I don't do this, or Caleb, you know what I mean? No, 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 we. Remove our individualistic culture, use we language, not I. I'll explain this to you. I don't go to church because I work there. <laughs> no, we as a family have decided that we're gonna be in church. That when we, I have to make a sacrifice for my job or for something, no, 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 it's not me making the sacrifice, it's we're making the sacrifice. We can take our family on the journey. The best picture I have of this is what Pastor Byron shared, was it two weeks ago? When he said that when they were asked to plant highway, they sat down with their family and they asked it. K.A., well, I should put them in order, Shane, K.A., and Carly, hey, guys, if you're in, let's do it together. If not, let's not. Families are a team. And we can experience God as teams. Something I'm trying to be really deliberate is about as far as our little family goes, my little family of four, I want to create opportunities for us to experience God as a team. I want to create wins for one and it's a win for all. We want to celebrate each one. The second point is this, is if family as team, I love the idea of parenting as coaching. Anyone ever had a really good coach? Maybe you've been involved in sport or something like that and you've had an awesome coach in your life. Maybe it's been a mentor or something like that. But coaches, they give real-time feedback. Have you experienced that? You're like, oi. I remember I was a swimmer as a kid and you'd hear the whistle, the coach's whistle from the side of the pool. I can't even whistle really loud. And it would just cut through your swimming and it'd be like, slats, high elbows or whatever, you know what I mean? And it'd tell you, it wasn't slats then. I think he called me Rebel or something. That was my nickname for a while there. I don't really know why. Um, you know, it was high elbows or he'd correct my technique, but it was on the fly. So it was in the moment. It was real-time coaching. Can I encourage us as parents? Let's give good feedback to our kids when they need it the most. Don't be afraid to pull them in and say, hey, son. 
The second thing that really good coaches do is they know each member's skill set. Any NRL fans in the place? One, that's okay. I know the Broncos have had a couple of hard years, but hang in there with me. They were gonna... Next year, this room's going to all put their hand up because the Broncos are going to be pumped and everyone's going, yeah, I'm an NRL fan because the Bronx are going good. I don't think the Rabbitohs should have made the grand final this year. I don't want to be controversial. But if I look... <laughs> too late. Thanks, Pastor Byron. <laughs> they shouldn't. On a skill set, on a skill-based team, I do not think they have the players as good as the other teams that should have been in the grand final. I don't think. It should have been Melbourne and Penrith every day of the week. Bunnies should not have made the grand final. I don't believe that. But you know what I believe the catalyst was? That sneaky fox, Wayne Bennett. <laughs> He's a good coach, and he knew how to bring the best out in his team. As parents, I believe our job is to know the skill set that we've got. We don't need to have the most talented. That's irrelevant, man. Our kids are our kids. We didn't, you don't have someone else's kids. You have your kids. And our job as parents is to look at our kids and to bring out these God-given gifts and these God-given talents. That scripture that we always quote, Proverbs 22, verse 6, train a, train a child up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. I believe, yes, this is about a faith system. I believe, yes, it's about believing in God, but also I believe is that as parents, our job is to see through our kids and to train them up in the way that they should go, not the way we think they should go. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, not everyone's kid's gonna be a doctor. No, 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 but we need to, as parents, look at our kids and say, hey, what skills has God placed in them? And how do I shape and how do I graft and how do I champion that so that they can grow up to all God has created them to be. The best coaches, the best parents know how to bring the best out in each member because they look into their skill set. What gifts and skills has God placed in our families? Maybe your spouse, man. I'm guilty of doing this sometimes. Where I'm guilty of being so busy that I never actually take time to go, no, Kim, what's God placed in your life and how can I help support bring that out? How can we instill confidence in our families to help them achieve their potential? And how can we help our kids, our partners discover their God-given gift? Can I pray as we close? God, I just pray over your people, whether in the room or online. God, I just pray, Lord, that something that I spoke about, Lord, would encourage us that we belong in part of your family and we're thankful for what you've done. God, I just pray over every unique individual. God, I just pray over the gifts, the talents, and the skills that you've placed in each one. God, I pray, Lord, that we would realize that we're grafted into your vine so that we can produce fruit for you. Holy Spirit, right across this room, I just pray, Lord, that you would empower, that you would encourage. God, like that, those excuses would just diminish in your presence and faith would rise. And God, we would start to expect more and see more because of who you are and what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, why don't we stand and worship together? Thanks, team.